1: His peers were treating him with respect because he was treating them with respect. To what extent do teachers really need to change what they're doing?
2: The way they discipline kids, applauding one another's success, comforting one another, helping each other, being a good team player, you know, taking your turn.
1: And the teacher noticed a change, a positive change in the behavior.
0: If you've got children or an educator in your life, you know that classroom management doesn't happen just because there's a teacher, a code of conduct, and a couple inspirational or cautionary posters taped to the walls. Anyone who's been in a classroom even a day knows this. Threats, pleas, and the promise of reward are familiar tools, which research shows don't work so well. So in a growing number of Missouri schools, teachers are getting equipped with a new tool. It's a program to improve pro-social behavior called the Pro-Social and Active Learning Program, or PAL. Now in its fifth year, the University of Missouri PAL program has impacted hundreds of teachers and thousands of students, and it's about to expand. Here to talk about the Prosocial and Active Learning Program and how it's growing, I'm here with the people behind it. Christy Bergen is an education researcher and the chief scientific officer of the ProSocial Ed Collaborative.
2: Welcome. Thank you.
0: It's nice to be with you. And we also have Jen Foster, who is the program's director. Jen, welcome to you as well. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So glad to be talking with you today. So let's begin with a, a definition. What does pro social mean, Christy?
2: Um, It's a word that people aren't very familiar with. Uh, You can think of it as the opposite of antisocial or selfish behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, It just means behavior that is intended to benefit others or um, promote harmonious relationships with other people. Mm -hmm. So it includes things like being helpful, being collaborative, being respectful, being supportive of others, and so on.
0: And Jen, how long have you been uh, familiar with this particular term and sort of the, the principles underlying it?
1: Uh, I would say this is about my seventh year in working with pro-social education as far as the using that specific term. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to that, um, there's been a lot of overlap between uh, previous projects and um, concepts that that have um, maybe not necessarily been named pro-social education, but have that familiar ter- f- familiarity. Mm-hmm. Now, the subject of classroom discipline, as,
0: as we noted in the introduction, I mean, it is familiar to a lot of folks, whether they have teachers in their lives, whether they have kids. And conventionally, that has hinged the discipline that is on incentives, rewards, punishments, What is it that makes a pro-social approach different? Uh, Christy, can you address that?
2: Yeah, we actually try to move away from uh, those kinds of approaches. We think of them as externally controlling the child um, and they actually in the long run can end up undermining children's self-control. And Mm -hmm. ultimately what we want is children who are able to control themselves. So we teach a different kind of approach to discipline. It's called induction. It just means giving children a reason for why you're asking them to do what you're asking them to do, mm. to either change their behavior or start doing something different.
0: And Christy, can you give us a, a concrete example of how you know the, the conventional approach looks next to what a pro-social approach would be?
2: Sure. So a conventional approach might be um, if you don't get back in your seat, I'm going to give you, I'm going to take a point away or I'm going to give you a demerit or a red card or something. Um, the inductive approach would be you need to get back in your seat because you're disturbing your neighbors and they're trying to get their work done.
1: Mm-hmm. No, this is, oh, go ahead. Jen? Yeah, I was just going to say that is where a lot of educators have found um, some success in explaining that why, and they did not necessarily have the term pro-social to attach to those successes. They were finding that they were struggling with having to keep up with the the demerits or the red marks or, or taking mm-hmm. points away from students. And so they didn't have that term prosocial to associate with, with providing that explanation, but they found success. So that's where I'd say I, I've been doing this for a while, and a lot of teachers naturally f- have found success in doing this. And what is it about having a, a term
0: for something that could be regarded as being like commonsensical almost? How does that help mm-hmm. an educator in the classroom?
2: I think Having it helps think vocab- about what you're doing.
1: Oh, Go sure. Ahead, <laughs> Jen, mm-hmm. first. Okay. Having that common vocabulary allows the educators to freely speak and share their thoughts and ideas on it um, because it's uh, concrete, it's defined. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christy, what would you like to add to that?
2: I think it helps you think about what you're doing um, more clearly as well. So when you can define something, you can recognize it. That's one of the reasons I like using the term pro-social. I was doing a keynote address with about 200 teachers in the room once, and I said, how many of you know this word? And one hand went up. So I said, how many of you know the word antisocial? And every hand went up. I think that's really important um, because it tells us what we're paying attention to, what we talk about. Mm -hmm. So I want us to pay attention to and talk about the positive behaviors in children as much, if not more, than we talk about the negative behaviors. Mm
0: -hmm. So it is very much an orientation. Yes. Okay. I'd like to invite you to into the conversation. What experiences have you had with classroom discipline? If you're a past or current teacher or have a school-age child in your life, does a pro-social approach seem like a productive one? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpr.org. One of the terms that um, many people are talking about is empathy, and there's so much that goes into that. How is it that empathy can be taught to students? Jen? Uh, yeah.
1: they they definitely need to have some experiences where they're learning that their behavior impacts other people and and gaining an, a deeper understanding of that. And I I think whenever we're using these approaches, um, especially with inductive discipline, not only are we teaching them why we want them to behave the way we do and how to do that, but then also helping them to understand how their behavior really does impact other people. Um, And and that's a big piece of it. And that helps them to hone in that concept of empathy. Mm -hmm. Now, Christy,
0: you've been studying classrooms for decades. And this program is based on your research from all that time, rather than sort of jumping onto some trend about talking about empathy. What is it that first drew you to this work when you began?
2: What drew me to it was that I would get questions like you just asked, Jen, how do you help children become more empathic? Or how do I help a child who doesn't have self-control? And the answer to both of those questions is the way you discipline a child because it's in the discipline moment that you are teaching those skills to children and you're giving them um, the orientation of how my behavior affects other people is important. Mm-hmm. So when people ask me, how do you you know help a child develop more empathy, I would tell them, um, over time, I had so many of those questions, I thought I need to distill this research. We have 50 years of research on how to help promote these kinds of behaviors in students. And I, I distilled these 50 years of research into just a few key practices that are very doable for teachers. There's nothing, this isn't rocket science, we're not asking anybody to do anything really unusual. These are, are very concrete doable things. We just ask them to change the way they discipline kids and we also ask them to praise children more in Mm -hmm. the classroom.
0: And insofar as the research itself goes, Christy, how have you conducted that?
2: So generally what we do is work on changing the behavior of adults, and we've done this with parents as well as with teachers. So we work on changing the behavior of the adults, and then we measure what the outcomes are for the students. Mm-hmm. So um, our project, our initial PAL project that is concluding, has had um, phenomenal results that we're really excited about. Not only have we seen increased pro-social behavior, among the students toward each other, better teacher-student relationships. We've also actually seen an increase in our MAP test scores, so our state-standardized test scores. So the children are learning more because they're more engaged in mm-hmm. their classrooms when they're more pro-social.
0: And just to put a finer point on it, test scores were not the motivation for, uh, for starting this, this research and this work around pro-social behavior?
2: No, but it's a wonderful outgrowth Mm -hmm. of helping children become more pro-social. I feel like one of the most important gifts you can give a child is to help them become more pro-social because it has so many benefits to the child. So they tend to be more engaged in the classroom. They're happier in the classroom. They feel well-liked. They develop greater self-control. And the academic... um, benefits that come from that are an indirect effect of there being more pro-social in the classroom. Mm -hmm. There's also benefits well beyond the classroom. Once they get into adulthood, um, there's benefits to being pro-social in physical health, having more stable employment, having happier marriages and families. Uh, In fact, the the, um, World Economic Forum has said that Having pro-social behavior is one of the most important things to being successful in the uprising workforce as they're entering our global economy mm-hmm. as workers.
0: And this actually reminds me of some conversations we've had on the show about how we learn to um, to be in our professional spaces as well. Jen, I, I think I heard you
1: uh, <laughs> taking a couple of breaths there. Is there something you wanted to add? Uh, yeah, I was just going to add that we also kind of approached this as um, how can we benefit teachers? Um, obviously, we want to make a positive impact in our students, but we are seeing um, tremendous um, issues in teacher recruitment and retention. And in looking at this, we're finding that when students are more pro-social in the classroom, then teachers are actually being able to engage in more challenging, more hands-on, more active learning experiences that are more engaging for those students. And it brings more fulfillment and enjoyment to the teaching process also, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the main major reasons why we even engaged in this. We had teachers that said, "We, can't, we our students don't have the skills to get along in the classroom. And so doing those hands-on type projects are not successful and so we decided to, to develop this project to um, address both how can we help students become more pro-social and how can we help teachers enjoy teaching more.
0: Mm-hmm. And why is it that this pro-social and active learning program which launched in 2018 that it focuses on training
1: teachers? Uh, Jen? Yeah so um, very much like what I was saying before, it, it helps the teachers to develop a skill set to um, to be able to implement classroom management practices and these pro-social strategies that do help teach students how to get along, how to work well with others, how to develop empathy for others. And um, in doing all of those, it, we're seeing that they're able to increase in the the types of uh, hands-on activities that students are engaging in when we see that engagement go up then students academic achievement goes up so it's it's this whole um, circular process everything is um, the more we implement these strategies the better the classroom learning environment gets and the happier and um, more effective teaching and learning is Mm -hmm. we need to take a quick break but we'll be back shortly
0: to continue this conversation about being pro-social in the classroom. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back. We're talking today about a Missouri program that's impacted hundreds of teachers and thousands of students. It's called the ProSocial and Active Learning, or PAL, program, and I'm joined by two of its architects. Christy Bergen is the Chief Scientific Officer of the ProSocial Ed Collaborative, and Jen Foster is the program's director. Before the break, we were talking about why there is a, a focus on teachers in this training, and it would be great to get a a bit of an overview of this program. Teachers are spending a year learning how to make their classrooms more pro-social.
1: Jen, how is it that you go about doing that? Uh, So we engage the teachers in some uh, professional learning experiences that are spread out throughout the year. we engage them in pro-social education so that they're experiencing it as they learn about it. Um, and so they really begin to internalize what this looks like and feels like and how to apply it to their classrooms. And then we engage them in some really in-depth conversations where they're bringing real life situations that they're experiencing in their classrooms and they're having conversations which help the teachers to see that they're not alone in some of the challenges they're facing and that we can all work together to try and help them address um, how to approach some of these um, behavioral issues that they're encountering.
0: Mm -hmm. And speaking of what teachers were experiencing, we heard from one teacher in the program. Kimberly Greenlee is a teacher at Trojan Intermediate School and Potosi. She sent us a voice memo and talked about one lesson that made a difference in her classroom.
1: There is a section that we had learned about the cycle of pro-social active learning engagement and what that said was if a student feels supported, if a teacher feels supported, there will be positive relationships that will be built. When there's positive relationships, there's happier students, there's happier teachers, and with that comes that engaged learning environment. As I was teaching last year and I would have that cycle up on the board or there would be times we would go back to that, I would simply say I'm not feeling supported right now and the students knew what that meant. When I said that, everybody would get their act together. They wanted to support their teacher. They wanted to support their other classmates.
0: That was teacher Kimberly Greenlee sharing her reflections on the PAL program from the Trojan Intermediate School in Potosi. Christy, Kimberly made this point about support. What does it mean to get teachers and students to feel supported?
2: So, what we're looking for um, those pro social behaviors are things like applauding one another's success, um, comforting one another when they're upset, helping each other with schoolwork when it's appropriate, collaborating effectively, being a good team player, you know, taking your turn and um, being respectful towards one another and respectful towards your teacher. This respect um, piece is, is really important. There's been a study done by the U.S. Department of Education looking at student behavior across the nation, and they found that there has been a rising tide of disrespectful behavior, even to the point of verbal abuse towards teachers in some cases, mm-hmm. um, over the last, oh, two decades prior to the pandemic so some people think um that we've seen a lot of deterioration behavior since the pandemic but actually we've been tracking it for a good solid 30 years now
0: mm-hmm. you know, i had mentioned earlier that pro-social behavior may seem like common sense you know i i have a hard time imagining that there would be pushback against uh this approach But insofar as teachers are concerned, I mean, to what extent do teachers really need to change what they're doing?
2: Christy? We focus on two powerhouse strategies. So one is to change that discipline, to try to get rid of the strong external controls of children and discipline them in a way that helps them learn to be self-controlling and we focus on trying to increase our praise-to-reprimand ratio. Um, Again, this pertains to parents as well as teachers, but we often, as adults, find ourselves focusing on catching the kids doing something wrong and correcting them. And not so much focusing on catching them doing something really kind or helpful towards one another and praising them for that. So in an average classroom, uh, we see maybe a ratio of one praise to four to maybe nine reprimands, and we're trying to move that closer to a one-to-one ratio. Mm -hmm. When that happens, we see a remarkable turnaround in the climate of the classroom. Kids are happier. Teachers are happier. Everyone's recognizing one another's kindnesses. And it just becomes a really lovely place to be for mm-hmm. everybody.
0: Now, Jen, you are teaching teachers in this program. But there are things that teachers don't control, like the, the size of their class or the number of aids they have, if any. And then other things that pertain to resources and supplies, you know, availability of different assets. To what extent is uh, making these changes a a school problem, not just a a student problem or one that teachers should be shouldering the burden of
1: changing? Well, one of the amazing things about the pro-social education approach is that you don't require extra resources. Um, There's no extrinsic rewards that were being offered. So you're not having to give tokens or tickets or candy um, out frequently to try and use to um, bribe students into complying with what you're asking them to do. Instead, we're acknowledging whenever they do what what they're supposed to, um, you're, you're praising them. And so, um, so that is helpful. And, and I think that in the context of the school is helping, um, administrators to, to examine some of their policies that they're, they're implementing some of the practices that are being implemented across, um, the entire school building or, or classrooms, as far as, um, trying to recognize that, uh, focusing more on on a verbal praise or a, a pat on the back um, as opposed to trying to so heavily reward um, student behavior with with actual um, you know extra recess or or points or pizza parties or those kinds of those are used to extrinsically motivate students and we're trying to help them build that internal motivation to do what's right because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Christy, you've talked
0: about uh, some of the research that you've uh, that you've done, that you've found. What is it that we know about the outcomes of this program, and how is it that you are measuring whether it's working or not?
2: So we measure in a couple of ways. One is we ask students how pro-social their classmates are. So we're looking for students perceiving their classroom as a kinder, gentler, better um, more supportive environment for them to be in. We also ask both teachers and students about their relationships student to student relationship and student to teacher relationship. And then uh, we are looking at teachers' feelings of stress and burnout and job satisfaction in their um, position as a teacher as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I do want to add
2: uh, oh. one thing as Jen was talking I was thinking about this that um, while schools it's it's ideal if whole schools are on the same page with uh, using pro-social education in the classrooms but even a lone teacher doing it in their own classroom can make a difference and we have seen measurable differences mm-hmm. um, when just one teacher in a building decides to do it in her classroom.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, the, the program has already impacted thousands of students in Missouri, as well as Kansas and Arkansas, and it's now expanding to even more schools in Missouri and the Midwest. Christy, what will that look like?
2: Well, we are going to invite middle schools across the Midwest who are interested in creating a more positive classroom Um, experience for their students to join us, and we are not limited to any particular state. Those are the states that we will um, invite and begin with, but actually any middle schools in the Midwest are welcome to join us.
0: Mm -hmm. And what are your expectations for the next five
2: years, Christine? Our expectations are that we are going to create Really positive, upbeat classrooms across the Midwest mm-hmm. for our middle school children and their teachers.
0: And Jen, to the same question to you, and maybe if there is something that someone has said to you, whether that is a a teacher or something that you've heard from a student, perhaps about why um, pro-social ed, you know, it has been helpful. What is it that you hope to see
1: more of in the next five years or so? Uh, I am really hopeful that we can restore some passion to and, and compassion to teaching. Um, I had a, a teacher, a sixth grade teacher that told me uh, she had a parent bring her sixth grade student to her during open house just days before school started and said, he's all yours. I ha- I can't control him at home and I can't help you at school. He He's just his behavior is out of control. And the teacher was at a loss for what to do. Um, The first couple of weeks of school were atrocious. He was uh, name calling the teacher and the fellow students, um, just taking things that he wanted away from other kids, their, their seats, their pencils, whatever he wanted, he just took it at will. Um, come to find out he was treating his siblings at home the same way as well as his mom. And uh, it was, it was a pretty sad situation. And the teacher was, was feeling hopeless. And it just so happened that this coincided with the beginning of her work in pro-social education. So she decided, you know what, I, I don't know what else to do, so I'm going to try it. Um, she tried this. And um, at the end of October, during parent-teacher conferences, the mom came back and told this teacher, I don't know what you have done with my child. He is a completely different kid. Uh, I, he's kind, he treats us with respect. He, he even helps around the house without us even having to ask him to, which was a drastic change in his behavior. And the teacher noticed a change, a positive change in the behavior. His his peers were treating him with respect because he was treating them with respect um, at, in the classroom as well. And so so in just a few short months, um, his behavior had had changed. Um, and the teacher told me a couple of weeks after the parent teacher conferences happened, she was telling me the story and she showed me she had already lit- written her letter of resignation and was planning to resign and leave the teaching profession over the winter break and not return for the spring semester. Um, and she said, you know, after engaging in this and seeing this kind of positive change and impact that I've been able to have on this young man, I I, I have restored my hope and my faith in teaching and I want to continue and and this was at the beginning of the school year last year and she is still teaching. Um, still very excited and engaging in using pro-social education. Um, and I feel like this is something that a lot of teachers need because they're experiencing that same sense of hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Thank you both for joining the show today.
2: Thank you Elaine.
0: Thank you. Thank you. This episode was produced by Danny Wissenshowski. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Door. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public
2: Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group.